honored to be with you guys tonight. This is Springfield, Missouri. Is that right? Did I say Missouri right? Missouri? Everybody that thinks it's Missouri, raise your hand. Missouri. <laughs> You're not from Virginia, I can tell. Anyway, it is an honor to be with you. And I uh, truly say the same thing about um, Sweet Pastor and his wife, that we had lunch with them today. And the lady that you guys have been under for the last few nights, ooh, I told her, I'm going to sit down if you come tonight and finish out the revival because I think it's going through you. But she's a precious woman of God. You guys have been blessed. Now, those of you that are here tonight and you haven't been, how many of you have not been yet? You're new victims. I mean, people, people, I said, people. Well, we're glad you're, you're here tonight. This is a great church. I just want to take a minute because I don't want to get in trouble, but there's some folks that are here tonight that are very dear to my heart. And um, first of all, I want to introduce you to my other mom and dad. My mom and dad is in heaven, but I have another mom and dad, and that's mom and dad Hargrove. Would you guys stand up for just a minute? I want you to honor these, these two right here. precious they pastored for many many years and just recently was it last year that Hargrove he retired and so uh, but he's not retired he's replied so he's he's a preacher amen but uh, we've just adopted them we've known them for a lot of years their son was a pastor actually their daughter Dawn is here with us tonight and Carissa and they're gonna share a little bit in the altar call with me and uh, I'm just honored to have them also I'm so excited to have um, Brother Danny, Bird, and Christy, stand up, guys. Look, he's looking at me. So they are um, <laughs> sweethearts. They, uh, they are directors, overseers, pastors over their men's, um, let's see, restoration center in Hollister, Missouri at a great church, New Life Church there. We've been there many times and ministered with um, the greatest women's group, I think. Sister Vicki, stand up. She's the women's minister there. So glad to have her and a bunch of those ladies. Stand up, ladies. These are all ladies from um, Hollister, Missouri tonight. So we're so glad to have them here. And I have been honored to hang out with them. And they're just they're just great folk. And they came up to be in the revival tonight. So thank you. And let's see. Um, of course, it's always great to see Mindy and Jim. You guys know them around here, right? You know Mindy and Jim. But yeah, we love them dearly, Sister Jean. And I could go on and on. I think I got everybody. I hope I didn't. The people that I know. Now, the rest of you, y'all are so special. I'm so glad that y'all are here. So give yourself a big hand tonight. <laughs> oh, me. But we are honored to be here. Just really quickly before we get into the message tonight, it is kind of youth night. So we're going to address some things tonight. But we do have a product table. Most evangelists do because you know what? We live by faith. And However, we can pour back into the ministry and share. We just came a short distance from Virginia to Missouri tonight. You know, it was just a short distance. It wasn't that far. Um, <laughs> but uh, as we were traveling on the road for the last few days to get here, we kept up with what was happening in this revival tonight, so we're really excited. But on the table, there's some DVDs and CDs of different uh, messages, uh, okay, messages that uh, the Lord has led us to preach. And we do two crusades a year. They're hosted at my church back home. My pastor is my brother. Now, that can be good or bad. I mean, real brother, like flesh and blood brother. Uh, and so when I really want to get on to him, Dad Hargrove, I say, let's go out in the parking lot. That way you're not my pastor because in the church you're my pastor. Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about. But anyway, they host our crusades. We have one in October that's for the whole body. We'd love for y'all all come. Uh, and then in May, we do our women's crusade. And this year, we're really excited that Sister Mindy's going to be one of our speakers this year. It's called um, Come Away With Me. Yeah, and uh, we just have folks from all over that come. And we're going to be talking about the in intimacy of the Lord and how many of you know it's time to get intimate with God. Come on, ladies. doesn't cost anything. We have no registration, no fee. Just grab a bunch of girlfriends, get in the car, come a short distance from here to Virginia, and you'll be there in no time. But how many would like this message right here? It says, when you need a Nathan. How many of you know you need some accountability in your life? Whoever wants this, come get it really quick. Going once, going twice. There you go. All right. Yes, amen. I don't know what the title to that is. But anyway, who wants this one? 
Okay, I'll just keep it then. Oh, did you want it? Oh, okay, you can have it. All right. And then um, I hope you picked up one of these cards. Actually, Vicki's picture's on here. Um, she doesn't even know that. But anyway, I want you to pick up one of these as you go. It'll just kind of get you to team up with us on social media. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram and all those places that keep me busy trying to keep you guys abreast of what's going on in our ministry. And then it talks about partnership because we do have partners. And without them, we can't do what we do. So there's an envelope out there. And then there's a music CD that I recorded um, several years ago. And I'm not going to sing tonight for sake of time, but maybe I'll do that sometime this week. But anyway, we're really excited to be here and very honored to be here. I don't ever take lightly the opportunity to be in another man's pulpit because I know how important it is. And so I'm excited. But more than that, I'm excited about what's happening in the atmosphere right now. I'm excited about what's happening in the atmosphere. Come on, y'all got to get with me tonight. And I know you're all checking me out because I'm not the same lady that was here last night. So go ahead and get it over with. Okay, let's just get it over with. Um, because I want us to truly have church. Did you hear what I said? I want to have church tonight. I don't want to come and play games with you guys, but I truly want to God for God to do a great move tonight. And I think that there are some people here that came with great expectation. How about that? Is that you? Look at your neighbor and say, if you want it, you can have it. Amen? So um, I was, I was going to share another message tonight, but then when I had lunch with Pastor, they were talking a little bit about the youth of the church and how that Wednesday night's designated as youth night. And so as I was praying this afternoon, I just kind of felt a shift in my spirit to kind of address some things for them. Now, I was a youth pastor for five years before I left that position and hit the road in evangelism. So I had a great worship team in the youth. I had a great bunch of radical kids. Um, I can tell you that yesterday's different than today, and today is going to be different than tomorrow when you're dealing with young people. I do know this, that they have a lot to deal with. Come on, y'all. How many of you know that's true? They, they are battled on every side. And to be real, it really, it, it costs something. Amen? It costs something. So tonight I want to share a message with you entitled, Discerning the Seasons of God. And I want you to look at somebody and say, you have to have discernment. You know what? Above everything else, you have to have discernment. Everybody's seeking after great gifts and all these things. But the thing that you're going to need to survive in this world right now is discernment. And I hate to admit this because Doug Hargrove could say, hey, all the years that I've been preaching, it's probably a different world today than it's ever been. Why? Because we have ministers that are calling themselves ministers, but they're far from what we know what the word of God is saying. Come on, y'all. I'm telling you, you are easily deceived if you're not rooted and grounded in the word of God. So it's not a surface relationship that we're seeking after tonight. It's not a head knowledge of who he is, but my heart has to be involved. And so when I begin to look at some scripture that we're going to share tonight, it reminds me of what we need for this generation of kids. Not only the teenagers, but the millennials that we're dealing with, and everybody picks on them. But you know what? It's really not their fault. Let's just go back to the real truth of it. It's the church's fault. Come on, y'all. I'm picking on us tonight. Because with, with no power in the church, there's not going to be anything for people to gravitate toward. And so that's what I want to uh, deal with tonight. Not that you haven't been experiencing the power here all week. You have, but this is just the beginning, not something to start and end, Pastor, but something that's going to continue on. Come on, y'all. I don't want to just get blessed tonight and then go back to my same stuff tomorrow. But I think that God's power and his manifested glory is rich enough to change us tonight and be changed tomorrow and be changed the next day. Amen? So that's what we're going to talk about. I want you to go ahead and grab your Bible, if you will, and turn with me to the book of Judges, chapter 2. This is, we talked about this just a little bit at lunch, and so I was amazed at, that the Lord would lead me this way tonight. But I know that it's for somebody tonight. How many of you do believe that this generation of kids are pretty special? I think that they are. They're pretty special. 
And uh, so, but yet we need to make sure that they understand that there's something called training for reigning. There's something called process to get to due season. Oh, come on, y'all. How many of you know you just don't pick up and start doing what you want to do today just because you got that great idea or you feel like there's a call of God on your life? But how many of you know when you do, there's some things that have to change in you? There's a metamorphosis that takes place. Come on. God leads us through some stuff. Now, I used to be a registered nurse. I taught nursing for a number of years. I loved that. I, it was really hard to walk away. And I had a lot of people say to me, how, how come you wasted so much time doing all of that? if you were going to go into ministry. But guess what? That was preparation for what I'm doing today. I know how to deal with people a little bit better in the spirit. Come on, y'all. Because I know some things medically that helps me to pray for people in the altar as well. But you know what? Everything that God takes us through is a process. Say process. You have to be processed. Come on, y'all. How many of you know you can't just develop it all in one one day? It takes time. You start off as a little baby born, and you don't start eating steak week after you come into this life. How many of you know you got to drink some milk for a while, and then finally you'll get on some cereal and some peaches and peas and all that stuff? You know, I, I never had kids, but I'm assuming that's what they fed them. But anyway, you know what? I just got a bird and two Holy Ghost-filled cats. I don't have any children at my house. But anyway, um, so, but you know what? You grow. You just grow. And then finally you get on to some other meat, and then you learn, and it's the same way in the Lord. So if you have judges, too, I want you to go ahead and stand to your feet. i like you to stand when I read the Word of God. And we're going to start in the verse, um, verse 8, um, Judges 2, beginning with verse 8. It says this. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, did um, died being 110 years old. Wow, he was young, wasn't he? And they buried him in the border of his inheritance in Timnathir's carries in the Mount of Ephraim on the north side of the hill Gash. And also all that generation, listen, and all that generation were gathered into their fathers, and there arose another generation, say another generation, Another generation after them which knew not the Lord and yet the works which he had done for Israel. Now let's look at 11. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served Balaam. And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers which brought them out of the land of Egypt and followed other gods of the gods of the people that were round about them and bowed themselves unto them and provoked the Lord to anger. Now, put your Bibles down, grab somebody's hand all the way across the church, and we're going to pray right now. I'd like you to join hands. You know why? Because if the power of God hits one, it'll just go all the way down the line, okay? And that's what we want to happen. That's what connection is all about. Father, in the name of Jesus, I want to thank you for this awesome opportunity to be here tonight among these great people. Lord, you've brought people here from near and far, different churches, different denominations that are represented. And God, that's just a little picture of heaven tonight. But God, I pray, Lord, that we cannot go back and redo what's done for the last three nights. But God, you have prepared our hearts. And now, Lord, as we come together corporately, hallelujah, something begins to shift in the atmosphere because we desire a move of the Holy Spirit tonight like never before. I believe I'm among some hungry children, Lord. And God, when we're hungry and we pull up the table, you will not cast us aside. But Lord, you are drawn to hungry hearts tonight. And Lord, we just pray, Father, that we will open our heart, open our mind, that we will receive receive the word of the Lord tonight, God, that it will push us, that it will propel us into a new dimension with you. God bless every young person under the sound of my voice and even right now captivate their heart, even if some, some of them may be on the balance of the fence and they're not sure which way they want to fall. Tonight, I pray that you would arrest them, Holy Ghost, arrest them in the spirit and let them focus on you, Father, and we give you all the praise and the honor and the glory for it's in Jesus' name and the church said, Amen. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. In Psalms 85, 6, David said, Will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? Now, 
Obviously, they had been revived because he used the word again. Will you not revive us again? Even in those days, there were people that were lacking the opportunities and lacking the privileges of being in the presence of God. I am really hungry for a move of God. I'm telling you, I don't mind driving miles on end, being somewhere with a bunch of hungry people. I'd rather be in a service with 10 hungry people than 500 folks that could care less whether you're there or not. And I'm going to tell you something. Can I be real with you tonight? Is that okay if I'm real? Some of you don't know me, but I promise you I'm not going to preach you anything but truth, and I'm not playing games with you tonight because we don't have time for that. Come on, y'all. We're not promised tomorrow. The Word says that our life is but a vapor that appeareth for a season, and then it vanisheth away. So whatever opportunities we have, we're going to take it full advantage of those tonight, and we're going to see what the Word of God is saying. And I'm hungry for a move of God, and I'm hungry for God to do something right now. You know what? I love the old line revivalist. I'm a revivalist. I love to study revival. I've got all the books on them, all the generals, everybody that's ever done revivals. But we can't live in those days. We're right here in 2018. But you know what's so exciting? God wants to do right now greater than he's ever done back there. But he needs a group of people that he can work with. This is why I think that God is so amazing for Sheila Ison tonight in that he doesn't need me at all. He doesn't need pastor at all. He doesn't need any of us. He can do whatever he wants because he's God. This speaker right here or monitor is black, but God is so powerful. He can say it's white and it becomes white because he said to the darkness, there is light and there was light. Oh, come on, y'all. And so he doesn't need you and he doesn't need me, but he chooses to use us because he loves us and he wants a family that is absolutely blowing things up in the spirit. And so I'm excited about that tonight. But when we look in in America and we look where we are today, we could almost say, and I told Pastor, that the generation that we're looking at today is a Judges 2.10 generation where they're living off what used to be or they're trying to read about what used to happen in their ancestry. Come on, y'all. So now Joshua is dead, great mighty man of God. He led those people. Um, He got accomplished uh, what other people could not do. He was a mighty warrior. Um, Joshua would love you to just drop the hat so he could fight. Come on, y'all, hear me. But now everything that he has accomplished, he's dead and he's buried. And now this next generation comes up. Listen, I would love to report to you guys tonight that we're all going to live forever and you're never going to die. But that's not true. In the flesh, we are going to pass away unless the Lord comes first. The next generation will then continue on what has been done here. And so if the church is lacking in the manifested manifestations and the power of God, then what are you guys going to be able to teach your next generation? And so that's what's happened. They were a Judges 2.10 generation. And there are seasons of God's visitation. So all they knew was what they heard that happened back then because it won't happen in now. Can I tell you that as I travel, I've been in some churches, and Christy, I would want to go back outside and look at the sign on the church because I thought I was in a Pentecostal church, but it felt like I was in uh, the First Presbyterian on Main Street. Come on, because nobody was raising their hand, nobody was praising God, and I'm I'm kind of radical and loud, and they're looking at me like a calf at a new gate. I was telling Pastor, I was doing an altar call one time, and it was a really long altar. We were in the altar service for a couple of hours, but I had a lady standing there, and she was looking at at me like a deer caught in the headlights and I could tell she was frightened you know and I was trying to be a little bit more calm for her and when I got over to her I said sister I said uh, uh this this is new to you I can understand that it is and she said yes it is I'm a little scared and I said well I'm so sorry well where are you from she says well I go here and I said okay so are you new here no I've been here for 20 years And I said this before I thought, because sometimes my brain is lacking. I'm blonde and dingy. And and I said, where have you been? In the basement? And she looked at me, and I said, you know, it, it was sad. And I'm thinking, you can come to church, baby, until the cows come home. But if you don't participate and get where the fire is, you ain't going to understand what I'm talking about tonight. Listen, it ain't nothing wrong with sitting on the back row as long as you're still participating back there. You see what I'm saying? 
So here is where we have this reflection of much like leaders of today. It was just like in the word of God. If they had a godly leader, the people would be godly. They had an evil leader, the people were evil. And so it goes now in America. Right now in America, it's an amazing place. It is an awesome place to live, yet it's the saddest time we've ever been because people are farther from God than they've ever been. We were talking about it. You know, here's the thing in our churches, uh, and we come from the same kind of church that this is in, in Danville. My brother is a preaching machine, and we believe in the truth of God's word from Genesis to Revelation, but it hasn't changed. And here we have people that are leaving and saying, we want to go over here to this church because this church says it's okay to drink and, and, and just shack up with anybody we want to. And, and we really want to do all that, but we still want to love God. I said, then, baby, you have missed the boat because this word doesn't change. Sin is sin. I'm sorry I didn't say it. The word of God says it, and I'm not judging you. You were already judged by the Father when you're living like that or you're gay gay or gay couple in the church and we just want to be happy and raise our kids and be married like everybody else but it's an abomination unto the Lord there was not Adam and Steve it was Adam and Eve just let me throw this in because this is good right here I have two female cats at home and never not one time have they ever been inappropriate with each other and I'm thinking if cats know that why can't people get it It's crazy. It's crazy. Now, I used to have a male cat, and it was a totally different picture. I won't go into that. Y'all would understand. But the two females know what to do. You know what I'm saying? So anyway, we look in this particular scripture, and it was a really bad time. If you know any history about the Canaanite religions, it was extremely corrupt. But it reminds me of where we are today. There were human sacrifices. There was uh, prostitution and homosexuality and self-mutilation. There was cutting. Can you believe that? Even back then, all the stuff that's happening today is not new. Generations repeat what generations did in the past. And what one generation practices in moderation, the next one will practice in excess. So it just keeps building. It just keeps building. And until we raise up and do something about it, guess what? It's only going to continue to get worse. So here we find that they were giving in marriage and they were doing all these things. And yet there was no power of God anywhere to be found other than what they read in their history books. And God is wanting to move. He is wanting to do things among us. But there is a price to pay for it. First of all, you've got to show up for revival. Oh, well, I've got stuff to do. i got a ball game. i got dance. I've got... Oh, now, I don't like her anymore. I don't care. Because I'm telling you the truth, right? So we have a 50,000 things that we have organized into our lifestyle, and God is down at the last, at the bottom of the list. And as long as he is, then we're going to have some problems in understanding this. So it's evident in the scripture that the true faith of God cannot be transmitted from one generation to another. As a matter of fact, it only gets worse, as I said before. Just because they did that back then didn't make them automatically flowing in the power of God now. So what was God saying? He was trying to make them understand. Listen, experiences outweigh an argument every single time. I don't debate the Bible. I don't get into arguments and all kinds of stuff on Facebook. I use Facebook for my ministry, but invariably there's always a pastor that wants to prove how much knowledge he has, and they'll get into an argument about does God think you need to do this versus do that. And you know what it does? Can I be real with you? It just confuses the non-believers. They don't know what to believe in. You know, they don't know what to go. I, I told Pastor Day, I said, I've got people that says I don't go to church because I don't know what I'm supposed to believe in. This, These people over here say they're the same as y'all, but they're believing something totally different than you are. And I'm just so confused. I'm just not going to go. I feel like a, a termite in a yo-yo. You know what I'm saying? I just don't know what I'm supposed to do. And so what happens to you and I, it means that we have to work harder than ever to make sure that we present to people the truth of God's word, unadulterated. It is what it is. It doesn't change because you don't like page 964 and you want to rip that out of your Bible and go to the next page. Guess what? It doesn't work like that. It is what it is. So we're in a transition period in the church world. But if, if what I experience
sensing and feeling in my spirit that this is a year of major change for the church. The evangelist is coming back to the front line. Come on, y'all. Listen, God's getting ready to get us ready for one of the most unbelievable revivals that we've ever experienced because there's too many people that feel it in the depths of their spirit. Come on. There's something been impregnated down in my belly, and I can't get away from it. I wake up in the middle of the night, and I'm thinking about the powerful move of God that's getting ready to come. I don't want it to be a prototype of what happened in the past. God doesn't have to do it that way. I just want him to do it however he wants it to be done. And oftentimes it is done in ways that we never would have expected it to be. Watch this. The key to transition from possibility to reality is for people to desire beyond what they know to be seen in the natural. So here we are in a natural environment right here. Anything that happens manifested by God is supernatural. It's above that. Come on, y'all. But when people come up for healing and God divinely heals them, what we're doing by our faith is we're pulling stuff down out of the supernatural and bringing it down into the natural. <laughs> Hallelujah. So what does that mean tonight? I'm so glad you asked. I'm going to tell you. It means that whatever you have need of, God is going to bring it to you. All it takes is somebody that will push the envelope and challenge God for his power. Come on, I wouldn't say that, Sister Sheila. That's a little bizarre, and that's a little abrupt talking about God. Let me tell you something. God is not moved by houses or lands or bank accounts, but the Word of God says he's moved by faith on earth. Come on. And when we have faith and we trust him and we believe him to do the impossible, guess what? He will. What you need to do is take you some Holy Ghost folk, go out in Springfield, find you where you want to be, look for the building, start prayer walking in and say, this is mine. This is my territory. This is where my feet land. I'm favored of God, and this is what God's going to do. There is a building. It's coming. When you're ready, God will bring it. <laughs> I know you do. So listen, this is what you have to do. Trust God for the, it's impossible. Listen, faith, faith moves you beyond what you see. Faith has to move you beyond what you see. You can't see what you want. You know what you want, but you can't see it. It's a million miles away. But faith brings it closer in, and that's what's so important. So here's what happened. The generation that followed Joshua still had all the hierarchy intact. They had the priests. They had the leaders, but they knew nothing about the power of God, nothing. They had been reduced to being unskillful in every area of their lives. There was no training. They were impotent. They, they, were just, they were just doing what was right in their own eyes, and that's how they got into a lot of trouble. So then there's a few chapters later in Judges 6, verses 12 and 13. Um, I want to read this to you. It says, The Lord's messenger appeared and said to him, The Lord is with you, courageous warrior. Now God's speaking to someone who has no idea who's speaking to him at first. Gideon said to him, Pardon me? Let me put it in Sheila 101. Excuse me, who are you? All Gideon knew is what he had read, right? But here's what Gideon was. He was a man desiring change. He was longing for something to happen in his generation, but he didn't know how to get there. Anybody ever felt like that? Oh, come on, y'all. How many of you weary people have ever been weary? Because <laughs> there's been plenty of times that I've been weary. And that's what the devil wants us to do, get weary and tired and, you know, kind of push back away from what you're expecting in your vision. But listen, you've got to keep pushing forward. So he says, pardon me, but if the Lord is with us, he said, why has this disaster overtaken us? Now, what is he talking about there? He's talking about in Judges 6, 1 and 3, it was talking about how that they were being persecuted by the Midians. They, they went through, I think it was seven years of them constantly taunting them and pulling on them and just giving them, raining havoc over their lives. And so they were depressed. They were worn out. They just didn't know which way to turn. And all of a sudden, there's this messenger of the Lord saying, hey, courageous warrior, I know you're not talking to me. I don't even have a sword. It must be somebody up there you're talking to. No, I'm talking to you. So this is what his reply was in the 13th verse. Gideon said to him, pardon me, but if the Lord is with us, why has such disaster ever taken us? We're all his, watch this, we're all his miraculous deeds our ancestors told us about. And they said, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt, but now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midians? Gideon wanted to know, is God's force the reason? I believe sometimes this generation of kids are wanting to say that. 
I hear you guys talking about the power of God, but we don't even see it yet. You, you're talking about fire. You get up every service and you're talking about the fire of God and we ain't seen even a spark. And listen, young people don't play games. I love the fact that young people are just who they are. You get them on fire for God, they go out in the middle of practice, stop it, tell them about the Lord. Adults won't do that. They won't even bow their head and pray over their food in a restaurant. Are you kidding? But young people, when you get them turned on, they go after this thing like a bull on a, a, yeah, on a bone. A bulldog on a bone. I got cats, so I have to remember all these things about dogs. So anyway, <laughs> so anyway, they were asking those same questions. They were saying, where are all the miracles? Why are the leaders falling? They were saying, why is the nation in such a mess? They were saying, where is the zeal that's missing in so many spirit-filled churches? Did you know that there's mass exodus people from denominational churches going into spirit-filled churches because they're tired of a form and a fashion? I watched a documentary from Harvard University. They did a, do a documentary on Pentecost living. We're talking about it. And they said that they had people leaving mainstream denominations looking for something more than just what they read. They wanted an experience. And you will not have it, and it's holding it back. In spirit-filled church, if you're in a spirit-filled church, that means you're in a church that's going to flow from Genesis to Revelation and hold nothing back. But just because you're here doesn't make you spirit-filled. Come on, you just don't put that tag and say, well, I'm spirit-filled. No, you're not. Unless you've had Pentecost happen to you, you're not spirit-filled. You have to be baptized in the Holy Spirit to call yourself spirit-filled, but they're looking for that power because they know that when they go into a church that believes the word of God, they can lay hands on the sick, and the word says they shall recover, and they do recover, then they want to be a part of something that's happening. Listen, can I just be real with you tonight? We got people that are leaving churches because they're looking for, they're looking for something else because there's not any power in the spirit-filled church. So they go to these other churches and they get to, you know, be involved in the wine society group. And they all go and they drink, you know, sociably and they do their little things and they're with each other's boyfriends. And there's something called swapping now where couples that are married are swapping out their husbands and their wives. Oh, y'all ain't saying nothing, but I'm telling you the truth. This is what's happening in, in our society among the church people. And, and, and everybody's saying, that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. And that's why your young people are so messed up, they don't know what to believe. But somebody's got to come back and say, you know what, that's not what the word of God says. Somebody has deceived you. That's pure deception. You can't believe in those kinds of things. And listen, one girl said, a friend of ours moved out to California to go to a particular school out there. And it was a church, a university out there. And she said some of the friends she had got together with, they were trying to make her welcome. They said, we want you to come to our house. We're going to have a Bible study. So don't forget to bring your journal and your Bible and all that stuff. And she said she gets there, and they start serving wine. She said she looks over at her friend, and she goes, what in the world? And she goes, what's the problem? She says, you guys are drinking alcohol. She says, well, we always drink. Did you bring yours? And she says, I came out of this mess. My mother was almost an alcoholic. It destroyed our life. My mom's been married three times. Why would I want to come back in church and go back into this? Does that make any sense to you guys? That's like telling the drug addict, come on in. We've got some cocaine in the back. You want to snort? That's the generation that I'm talking about. This is tough, Sheila. We were shouting last night. Well, you'll shout at the end. You'll shout at the end. So in Judges 6.19, Gideon's listening to this messenger. He has no idea who he's really talking to. I mean, he's just like, I don't know what you're saying. So Gideon goes in and he prepares a young goat along with some unleavened bread. And the Bible says he puts an ephod of flour in it and he mixes it up, puts the meat in a basket and the broth in a basket. And he brings the food to the messenger. And the messenger says, I want you to pour out the broth and put the meat on this rock. And then he takes his staff and he touches it. And when it does, <laughs> pulverizes it. Immediately, Gideon knows this is a messenger of God. Now he's afraid. He thinks he's going to die. He remembers reading scriptures. And he thinks, I'm going to die now. I done seen something I'm not supposed to see. But then all of a sudden, I love the last verse. The Lord said to him, listen, say this. The Lord said. 
all of a sudden in a generation that knew nothing, the Lord is speaking. You hear me? He will speak to people who want to hear him. That's the key. And the Lord said, you are safe. You are not going to die. Don't be afraid. Because there was a purpose in there. It's God's intent, you guys, in this hour for us to discern the times and the seasons to experience a similar touch. So you got to teach the, t- the young people. I know they're probably 14, 15, 16, thinking they're 25 and 30. But they're not. And so let's not treat them that way. Because here, here's, here's the thing that you need to know. This thing doesn't have an elevator. It's steps, and you have to take them one at a time. And I'm going to get really mad at God if you get to zoom up to floor 14, and I had to take five years to get there. So with young people, just be young people. Don't force your age the next day. Enjoy where you are, but learn all you can about your destiny because you have one. Because God's going to take you somewhere. Already, watching some of these kids up here, I could see the hand of God on several of them. Not all of them are excited, but some of them are. You know why? Because they've got relationship. And those are the kids that are going to teach the other ones, hey, either you're going to go where I'm going, or you can go over there and hang with everybody else and do what they do. It's, uh, it's easy to walk into your youth group and be who everybody else is, but the real test comes when you go back to school and you're hanging with your peers and they're inviting you to the drug parties. Come on, y'all. And then you got to make a decision. Do I want to be popular and hang with all of them, or do I want to listen to what my youth pastor has been telling me and go back to church and do the right thing? You know how young people are. Sometimes they can't make up their mind. I used to get altar call, and every Sunday they got saved. But you know what? That's okay. At least they're trying. Come on. At least they're trying, and I'm excited about that. So there's always going to be something that God is going to prepare us for. And young people are invincible in the spirit I'm talking about. God has so much for you, but you've got to make sure that this is a true relationship with him. It's not based on your friends. It's not based on your youth pastor or your senior pastor, your mother, your father. Come on, y'all. Even some kids today that come to church don't even know who their father is, and they're not sure where their mom is right now. I used to be an ER nurse. That's hardcore stuff. I remember some kids that used to come in there from time to time. And I remember one 14-year-old girl, and I hadn't been in the ER for very long, so it was an eye-opener for me. I learned more about sex in the ER in two weeks than I've known my whole entire life. Because I was a virgin when I got married, and I married a virgin. I I was in church, and I was a Christian. I wasn't playing. I was serious. Because I knew God had his hand on me, and I was hungry for him. And so anyway, I remember this young girl came in, and she was 14 years old. It was 2 o'clock in the morning, and she was half drunk. Brought her in the room. I went in to get, do an assessment, and she wouldn't even make any eye contact with me. She was angry at the Lord, but who wouldn't be? Because Susan, I'll just say that for sake of our, her identity, was on her third abortion. transmitted diseases beyond repair. And I remember what the doctor said to me in the hall. He said, this young woman is a physics lab assault victim. I don't know the lingo in here yet. What does that mean? That means she's in here every other weekend. That means that she doesn't have a mom that cares. Somebody drops her off at the door in the ER. She comes in and gets treated, and then somebody has to come pick her back up, or they got to get her home some way. I'm like, does this really happen? They said, welcome to our world. How many college kids finally get away? They leave home and they get to go off to college. Yay! It's party land, USA. And I'll never forget the young woman from Oklahoma that arrived in our ER and she died two hours later from alcohol intoxication. And she went to a party that night and didn't even have a bottle of alcohol with her. So there's so many things I just feel in the spirit that I need to say to this generation tonight. It's an interruption to revival just for you guys because God loves you so much. I can tell you experiences because I've been there with them. Getting back to Susan, third abortion, she wouldn't make any eye contact with me. She was angry. And the doctor goes, i got to go back in there and tell her, here's the story for your life. You'll never be able to bear children. It's sterile. 
this has happened too many times, too many S STDs, too many, too many infections, too much inflammation, and you'll never be able to bear children. So I said to the doctor, I said, I know you're not real familiar with me, but can I just go in there by myself? She says, she's not going to talk to you because she doesn't talk to anybody. This is, this is normal. I said, I know, but I, if you don't mind, I'd just really like to go in. And she goes, sure, go ahead. So I walked in, I closed the door, and I said, hey, how you doing? She didn't even look at me. I said, okay, you don't have to say anything. Can I just say something to you? Freak. She said, I just want you to know something. Jesus loves you. And when I said that, she kind of federalized me. I said, do you know who I'm talking about? Yes. But don't talk to me about that because he's not in my life. And then I just began to share some stuff, and tears began to flow down my face because I felt her pain. The Lord allowed me to feel her pain. And I just began to witness to her. And about 45 minutes later, that young girl had tears flowing down her face. She reached out her hand, and I just embraced her. And she cried and cried and cried. And you know what she said to me? I just wish somebody had told me what was right and wrong. Oftentimes, parents don't want to correct their kids because they think, oh, I don't want them to be mad at me. I want them to be my friend. They don't need a friend. They need a mother and a father. And you know what? They may act mad at you when you do correct them, but they love it because it shows them that you truly do care. And she began to share her story with me. My mother never cared about me. She doesn't ever ask me where I've been or when I come in at night. I said, well, what time do you get home? It's like 4 o'clock in the morning now. She says, I stay out all night. Where do you go? I'm on the streets with my friends. Nobody really cares about me. That's not true. Somebody cares. But then here I am in a pickle for you because I'm thinking, well, who does she care about? You know, who does she have to turn to? Obviously, she's not in a church somewhere. Her mom, uh, she said, my mom's with a different man every night. And I don't, know, I don't know who my dad was. And she just began to open up and tell me all this stuff. And I prayed for that young woman. And God helped me to lead her into a sinner's prayer that night. I'll never forget it. And Susan left the ER and I never saw her again. But you know what? She made a decision that night that changed the course of her destiny. Whether she stuck with it or not, I don't know. But somebody's got to rise up and begin to be the voice. Listen, young people, you've got peers that sit beside you in class that are into everything. They're strung out on alcohol. They're strung out on drugs. They're doing God knows what. Young people into pornography like crazy, prostitution. Your mind would be blown. Ask some of these youth pastors what they're dealing with, with these kids. It takes some real powerful people to be in youth ministry. Can I just be real with you tonight? Because people say, here's my kids. Do something with them. Change them if you can. I, I would love to, but they got to go back and live in your house. And until you start raising up and being the mom and the dad that you need to be, the kids will never pursue. Well, I thought this was revival. This is how revival starts. Revival is repentance. And when the church repents, we go into revival. You know, and I love to shout. I can shout higher than most of you. I love to see God move. And he's going to move. But we've got to deal with the root of the problem tonight. We've got to get down to the nitty-gritty. We've got to find out. I just can't come and get blessed and have some doodads up and down my backbone, Sheila, and walk out and go back to my lifestyle. I've got to have something that's going to transform my life. It's so hard for you and I that have never had to deal with that kind of stuff. I've never had to walk that road. Dean and Christy deal with men who are coming out of incarceration and they're coming out of a drug addiction and alcoholism. They've lost their family. They've lost everything they have. They're all the way down to the bottom. And they end up in a restoration home where people start loving on them. For the first time, they know what it feels like to be loved. There's a, there's a um, prison about 30 minutes from my home. And it's a very large prison. It's called Green Rock. It's an all-male male prison. They probably house around 2,000 inmates. And for some reason, I get to go there and do revival services a lot. 
And I love going to that attractive audience. Y'all get that at 2 in the morning. And one of the things that I say to those men, I say, listen, the only difference between you guys in here and the people outside the walls of this prison is that you got caught and they didn't. But because you caught and God has brought you all the way to the bottom, there are men in there that are absolutely could knock the record charts out of the way. They are phenomenal singers. Oh, my goodness. You've never heard vocalists like you've heard in prison, men choir, musicians. Some of them are called the priests because, listen, even though you go down the wrong road, the calling never goes away. And they can out-preach anybody, but yet there they are sitting in a prison doing life for one wrong choice. Young people, young people that are in detention homes tonight, come on now, hear me. They're in prison. Their life is over. 16 years old. What about the recent school shootings that we're seeing all over the news, one right after the other? Are you kidding me? You can't even feel safe sending your kids to school, and they're probably stressed to the max, wondering if they're going to get home without a bullet through their head before they leave or whatever. I mean, we're in a very dangerous time, and we need to get it right. This is what I'm feeling in my heart tonight, that we have got to begin to understand discernment and transition. God is making some transition. Transition is a sudden awareness. It's painful. It's uncomfortable. It signals that something is about to happen. And this is a place to shout because just when a child is getting ready to be born, that mother carries that baby 40 weeks and nine months. That baby's head has to be turned and maneuvered down into the birth canal so that the head hopefully is going to be born first. But guess what? In order for that baby to come through that birth canal, that mother's got to do some work. Come on, y'all, hear me. She's got to push, and she's got to labor. That's why they call it laboring. That's the closest to death a woman will ever get and survive when she finally births a child. But it is the same way it takes somebody with strength that can push out that life. And in the church, there's a revival in the birth canal, and God's looking for a group of people that are powerful enough to push it through. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God has a move. We're not having to wait for it anymore. Listen to me. I want to encourage you tonight. It's already here. God is wanting you to push through it. That's why some of you are battling worse than you ever have in your entire life. Your challenges are blowing your mind. It's because the enemy knows he doesn't have very much time left. He's pulling out all the stops. Listen, can I just tell you, people are wondering, why are the seasons so messed up? In Virginia, first day of spring, we had four inches of snow. Are you kidding me? My flowers are blooming. And then people say, why? Why do we have tsunamis and hurricanes? I thought God was powerful. Do you know why? Do you know why the whole, Romans says, the whole earth is groaning. Why? Because it's in an imbalanced state. Why? Because of sin. The law of sin is death. Listen, here's what happened. Adam and Eve had it made. Have you ever thought about it? If they never sinned, where would we be? Oh, my Lord. No sickness, no death, flowers everywhere, lay down with the lions, play in their fur, swim in the ocean and not get bit. Have you ever thought about that? But when sin entered the picture, guess what? The animals are like, did you get that illustration? Animals weren't created to be carnivores. They weren't created to eat each other and eat us. They were created for pleasure. But sin changed everything. Sin changed the animal world. Sin changed the atmosphere. And when you're experiencing tsunamis and hurricanes and earthquakes, don't you dare blame God. It was because of sin. And for us to go back to a perfect world, we're not going to have anything that can take place and we're all out of here. Then he's got to come back and recreate the mess that we made. 
You see what I'm saying? But it's an awesome transition, and I feel it in the spirit. God is getting ready to do an amazing thing. Survival will always be the seat of a real move of God. As long as you're surviving, you will have no need of the power of God. So there's got to be an awakening. Listen, I pray for revival all the time. And I was talking to my brother the other night, and we were talking about revival, and he said, Sheila, until we have revival, there's got to be a great awakening. I love the name of the show. Because until the people wake up, nobody's going to be evangelized until the church is revived. And how do we have revival, Sheila? We go back to repentance. What does Chronicles say? If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray, seek my face and what? Repent. Turn from their wicked ways and repent. That means all of us, guys. That's everybody. It's time to shake yourself. It's time to shake yourself and awaken to the season of God. Hosea was speaking as the mouthpiece of the Lord when he said, come, let's return to the Lord. He himself has torn us to pieces, but he will heal us. He has injured us, but he will bandage our wounds. He will restore us in a very short time. He will heal us in a, in a little while so that we may live in his presence. So let us acknowledge him. Let us seek to acknowledge the Lord. He will come to our rescue as certainly as we pass through the barn, as certainly as the winter rain comes, as certainly as the spring rain that waters the land. You know, physically, a lot of times when you think you're hungry, you're not hungry, you're thirsty. So if you'll go drink a bunch of water, I'm in my little health tip right here. It'll take away your hunger pains. So when you're hungry for things of the world, you're really not. You're hungry for things of the spirit. And when you begin to fill yourself with God and the things of God, all of a sudden, things begin to awaken inside of you. Have you ever had a, we have a green plant. It was actually my dad's plant. And my dad loved it. But the thing about it is if you don't put water in it, after a while it kind of droops on down. It looks really pitiful. But the thing about it is, Pastor, I can go in there and pour some water in it and go back an hour later. It's as big as it was before. And I was looking at it one day and the Lord spoke to me and said, that's exactly what's wrong with you. Because you're thirsty in the spirit. And until you allow me to pour in, you're going to just walk around wilted all the time, Sheila. And if you're wilted, you can't give out to anybody else. First thing you got to do is take care of this person before you can reach out and take care of somebody else. So what is God looking for? Listen to me, young people. It's not about emotions. I love emotions, but emotions don't take you very far about being solid in a foundation with God that says, when the wind blows, I don't move. I can bend and move, but I'm still steadfast on the foundation. God's going to raise you guys up. You guys. You're not the generation of tomorrow. You're the generation of right now. And God is wanting to use you and do phenomenal things. I was so blessed by pastor's kids up here tonight. Man, that was amazing to me. I don't know about y'all. Well, y'all can sit back there. That was pastor's kids. But I'm going to say it. And I don't even know them yet. They're amazing. And you're amazing. And God has things for you to do. But you've got to make sure that you know, that you know, that you know that this is not something from your head, but your heart has gotten in your ear. Is this okay tonight for you guys? Why am I saying all that? Because I love you. I love young people. I always love young people. That's a passion of mine. And I want to see you fulfill your destiny. Guess what? You can be anything that you can dream to be. If you can dream it, you can have it. But that's an easier said than done thing because then you got to run after it. And you've got to make sure it's always in your focus. That's not us. It's something to hear a 12-year-old say, I'm called a preacher. Really? Awesome. Run after it. Oh, I am. Nobody's going to tell me I can't do this because I know God's called me. 
And I believe that there are young people here tonight with the call of God upon their life. But it will never happen if you don't make it happen, if you don't run with God. You can't be in the church today and living like everybody else tomorrow. It's not going to work. But when you're sold out to him, he's going to do phenomenal things for you. Would you stand all over the church tonight? I want every head bowed and every eye closed. This has been a little bit different, but that's okay. Because God is wanting us to shake ourselves and awaken to the season of God. I discern tonight that this is a time that God has sent you here. It is amazing because some of you are here and you just thought you came with somebody else or you were just invited to do this or that. But this was a moment that God had you here to call out to you. He's calling out to you. He's calling. And if you can open your ears a little bit, you'll begin to hear the Spirit of the Lord call your name. I remember when he called my name. I was only 13 years old. I got saved when I was 11. And then I was called into the ministry at age 13, and I didn't know what to do with all that. But I did know that I loved God with all of my heart. Now, what helped me was this. In the 1970s, when I was a teenager, now y'all going to figure out how old I am, there was an evangelist by the name of Catherine Kuhlman. You guys go read about her. She was a very eccentric, very unique lady, but nonetheless, powerful. I used to live up in the Washington, D.C. area, and she came there. I was only about 13 at the time, and my uncle had gotten saved. My mom and dad were backsliders at that time, and my uncle had gotten saved. And so his wife was Catholic, and she didn't want to go to church, and she he said, will you go with me to a Catherine Kuhlman meeting? I said, what's that? And he said, just go. I said, okay. So here my cousin and myself go with my uncle to D.C. And Catherine Kuhlman's preaching. And at 13 years old, I was privileged to watch people come out of wheelchairs with blind eyes open and lame legs walking. And you know what? I never forgot the images that I saw. As a matter of fact, something was birthed in me at that time. And that longing for God brought me all the way through my adolescent years with the same temptations in front of me. But because my vision was restored spiritually, I never looked back. I didn't have to worry about not being popular in school. Come on, y'all. Because I knew that I had been privileged to see something that absolutely intrigued me and changed me forever. I had to know what this was. I had to find out, how did she do this? And lo and behold, God began to speak to my young heart. And then I was privileged to see my backslide and slid mom and dad come to the Lord. My, my brother was a drummer in a rock and roll band. He got saved, and my sister was clubbing, and she got saved. And all of a sudden, my whole family was in the church. Now my brother's our senior pastor. My mother and my father were the most extraordinary men and women of God that I'd ever seen. They didn't show that example early on, but they gave us lots of love. That love carried us. But then when my parents got saved, they made up for those years by pouring God into us and telling us, this is what we're going to do, and this is where God's taking us, and this is how we're going to live. And our whole home changed because my mom and my dad got born again. So God has a destiny for you. I want every head bowed and every eye closed. I don't want anybody looking around. Nobody go to the bathroom right now. Hold it because this is an important part of this service. Come on, Christians, you need to pray. Young people, listen to me. I'm talking to you right now. I know sometimes you guys kind of follow your friends and do what they do, but this is, this is for you now. This is for you now. This is your decision. What are you going to do with God? What are you going to do with this thing called Christianity? How are you going to live out and walk this with Jesus? How are you going to do that? Is it because you truly have committed your life to him, or are you still kind of not sure? I want you to be honest with me tonight because I've been honest with you. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, young person and adult, if you're here tonight, and you say, Dr. Sheila, I really haven't done this on my own. 
think I've been following my friends, but I don't want to be one of those people that miss out on all the things that God has for me. If that's you, would you just slip your hand out so I can see where you are? Come on. God bless that hand. God bless that hand. Thank you so much, God. Thank you, sweetheart. Hey, it takes something to do that. It takes something to be honest and raise your hand and say, you know what? No, I don't want to. If I, if I do that, somebody's going to know. Who cares if somebody knows? This is for you, man. This is for you. God's calling you. Your heart's beating, man. You're gripping the front of that seat. I know that that's right. And God is dealing with you. So here's what I want to do. Adults, you hang on. This is for the kids. If you lifted your hand or even if you didn't, but you know that God's calling you, I want you to come right down here and meet me. Come on. Listen, you don't have to be ashamed. There's nothing to be ashamed of. God bless you, God bless you. This is amazing. I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you guys. Just make a line right here for me. Would you do that? Oh, come on. All right, youth pastors, come on and get in here with me and behind these guys today. I'm so proud of you all. I am. And I know that you have been in some great stuff in your youth group and everything. You guys did a great job tonight. But this comes down to reality. Who, who am I in Christ? Who am I? You know? And somebody asked you, well, what's your purpose in life? What are you doing? I don't know. I'm just following God. Well, what if she decides to go down left field and go off the cliff and fall off? Are you going to go with her? You've got to make up your own mind. So grab hands with me, friends. You guys stretch your hands this way towards these precious young people. 